This is JFM Podcast. Politics determines how much of our desired society we experience. I assure you that we shall do even better. I assure you I will secure the country. Immediately this government came, they took measures, things improved, but it didn't last long and it wasn't sustained. And what has happened thereafter is that things have deteriorated to a level that was inconceivable. From every corner of the world, we bring politics, operations right to your comfort zone, home and abroad. Will keep you abreast of everything that relates to decision making and more. The solution is basically that those who are presently in government must listen. They must listen to citizens. They must listen to experts. There is no point in this arrogance. Join the impeccable duo of Wonsak Fanab and Obayemi Akiyode on Nigeria at Sunset. Mondays through Fridays, 5 to 6 p.m. on J101.9 FM. What a day it has been here in Jos. It has been really, uh, for me, a traumatic day. Um, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, describe how I feel at the moment. But it's terrible, you know. Trust me, it's terrible. Pardon my manners. Forgive me. I, I didn't say hello to you. Good evening and welcome to the program Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 here in Jos. Wow. It is very tough. I mean, really tough. And it shows that, you know, uh, killers mean business for going about, you know, their killing activities, nefarious activities. And in case you're just coming into Joss, there has been a 24-hour curfew in Joss North. Joss North starts from the Secretariat Junction all the way to uh, the border between Bauchi and, uh, and and Plateau State, that is Tilden Fulani, if you want. And just yesterday, there was an attack, you know, in, in a peaceful... Kunga is a community that I'm very familiar with. That whole, you know, area, I'm very, very familiar, you know, uh, with that area. And so it happened yesterday that uh, uh, people were in their sleep. And killers just went by shooting... I mean, I saw a man, and I'm sorry to uh, traumatize your, jeopardize your evening. Well, I don't care because everybody is in a grieving mood, but we need to say what we need to say uh, to let all the negative emotion uh, go out. I saw a man that 16 members of his family were murdered, so he's the only person in the world right now. I don't know how, you know, you think about that. What do you make of that? 16 people in the same family were born to ashes. Just one surviving member. How will that person, you know, look at life? How will that person, you know, uh, sit back and think about life and think about how it's going to go? And this is coming amidst curfew. And that curfew, you know, I was relaxed. It was 24 hour. It was relaxed to uh, 12 hours, you know, a day. 
today I started, you know, I joined the procession from, and I've, I've, I lost count of how many protests that I've been, uh, you know, in in Plateau State as as far as you know this issue of killings, you know, started. I've I've, I've lost count. But today's own was really emotional, carrying dead bodies, you know, back of a pickup truck to uh, take you to government house, you know, uh, so that the government, because if the government, I mean, the three Johns in the wall gave us how society should be organized. John Locke, one of the famous political philosophers, said that government is a social contract. You give part of your right in exchange for security. But one unique thing about American democracies, it's this distaste for tyranny, that you be in your home and someone, because as a weapon, he comes to kill you. American founding fathers of America said that no, that is gonna ha- not going to happen. So if you need a rifle, if you need uh, a gun, a weapon, you can apply to the government and the government can give it to you if you pass uh, the necessary tests. But there you have it, you know, people in their homes, a pregnant woman who was slit, you know, open in her tummy, the fetus was murdered, and look at her small baby uh, killed just beside her. An old lady, you know, and for me, I ask, what is their crime? Someone on Facebook said that they are paying. I say, paying for what? What really are you paying for? What are you paying for? Well... I just I just hope I just I just hope that the trauma that the government has made people you know go through I just hope I just hope and my sincere prayers that we come out of this and for me one of the reason today that made me emotional was you know my colleague and my brother Okpemi Akinyo they asking me say he said that you know because this was the first time he said in his entire life this is the first time he's carrying a dead body he said, ah, is this what you guys go through? I said, this and more. This and more, what we go through. I don't know what to say again. I don't know what to think. I don't know. Uh, but government should be very responsible. And government should be up and doing I'm going to play an insert, you know. Yesterday... Monday rather, a nurse, uh, an essential worker was molested at the Air Force uh, runabout. She was made to lie in a gutter with her uniform. She wanted to identify herself, but uh, the Air Force officers there tell her that Madame Go, if not, will change them for you. Changing, change them for you is like uh, you don't like what's going to happen to you next. And they made her, you know, uh, they said sleep like you sleep on your bed or in your bed inside a gutter with your uniform. And it's not even past curfew time. The same efforts that my father died 22 years ago, one time we've never gotten gratuity, you know. And, well, most of us, you know, we have stories to tell. We have stories to tell about this country. We have stories to tell about how Nigeria has hurt us. We have stories to tell about how Nigerians have left us, you know, in the cold. You know, my father served, you know, that organization meritoriously, you know, hardworking hard-working man but for two, since 4th of march 1999 one dime was not given or has not been given you know to my family in the name of uh, you know gratuity and same people the air force that i know they used to be professional same people you know molesting an essential worker they are one of the best hospitals you know in this country 
molested a nurse. I don't know what came over that guy, you know, with his rifle. Paid for by taxpayers, uniform paid by taxpayers, saying that, and that person is providing services to people, essential worker. She's a nurse. I'm going to play this in that insert so that you hear, uh, you know, from her mouth what she went through, uh, you know, that day. And she's calling for justice. She's saying, let justice be served, let justice, you know, be done. Stay here. Juliet Morga Gobet. I am a nurse. I work with Ola Hospital. Um, exactly on Monday, when I was coming back from work, I got to old airport. There was hold up there. I boarded a keke going to abattoir. So because of the unrest in town, I don't usually go through the normal abattoir road. I go through old airport, which I did that very Monday. When I got to Air Force Roundabout, we got there before the curfew time. At about 5.42 in my full uniform. But because of the hold up around that area, around the Air Force roundabout, the military people there, the Air Force personnel, they mounted a, a checkpoint which caused a serious hold up on that roundabout. So we spent almost 15 to 20 minutes while they were checking some cars and some keke. I noticed there were some people standing on the side. They dropped them from the keke and there were some even doing frog jump on the other side. So when it got to our turn, there was a policeman in our, in our keke who identified himself as a personnel and they refused to listen to him. So they asked us all to drop from the keke, which we did. So while they were walking towards where others were standing, I tried to approach one of the military personnel. I told him, I said, I'm a nurse and I'm just coming from work. He said he doesn't want to hear anything I have to say. I should go and join the other people, which I respected myself and did. So while we were standing on the culvert, he came. About 10 to 11 of us were standing there. The gutter around opposite the, the roundabout. There's this bar they call Izzy Tiger Bar. He got to us again and said, in short, we should enter inside the drainage system there, that we should all enter inside. And in there, were full of um, deaths, water, grass. The, the whole place was dirty. So I approached him again, telling him, Oga, I'm a nurse, and I'm just coming from work. He said, Madam, if you don't respect yourself, I will change them for you now. So because he was armed, I, 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 I was scared. So I, I had to obey what he said I should do. So I went into the drainage with others too. We were in there. When he now said, do you know how to sleep flat on your bed? Oh yeah, all of you should lie down flat inside this place. So we all started arranging ourselves because we were much, we were arranging ourselves and we went down inside the water. When... It was happening. A policeman that was one of them too, as in he was standing there. He he was now saying, nurse, why should you be in there? Why, won't you talk to them? Tell them that you're a nurse now. I said, oh God, I've been talking to him, but he's not listening to me. He doesn't want to hear what I have to say. So he, I don't know what who later talked to him, but he later came and was asking, where is that nurse? Check, uh, peeping into where we were. Where is that nurse? Where is that nurse? Oh yeah, come out. So I came out of the, the drainage. Then he asked me, where do you walk? I said, but Oga, I've been trying to approach you all this while and you refuse to listen. He said, okay, now I'm ready to listen to what you have to say. Where do you walk? I said, I walk with Ola Hospital. He said, okay. Oh yeah, 
get out from here. Start going. Move from here. So I now walked. I started walking away. Before then, I called my husband. I told him this is what is happening because the place is not too far from my house. So he told me he was coming out to meet me. So before, but before he could get there, they had already molested me and even asked me to go. So I now called him. I said, just wait wherever you are. I'm coming to meet you there. So when I met him, he wanted us to go back to the roundabout where it happened. I, I pleaded with him. I said, no, let's just go back home. Let's just go. Just leave them. Let's go. Because I don't want it to turn into a, another story. So I, I asked him to just let it be. Let's go. So the next day I had to put it on air, as in on Facebook, and most of my colleagues who are nurses, association, and other people started calling to know what is really going on. So that's my story. And I need justice for this. Justice, you know, we want, you know, as a kid growing up, I almost enrolled in the Air Force, but uh, due to one or two things, I said I'm not going to serve, you know, there. But I used to know the Air Force to be very professional, number one. They are the only armed forces uh, in this country uh, that they're very clean, well-organized, articulate, smart chaps. You know, I have friends who are, uh, you know, they are, I think, maybe lieutenants right now in, in the Air Force. We still stay in touch, uh, you know, with them. But look at what happened yesterday, uh, on Monday rather, an essential worker demoralizing someone who has uh, come back from saving lives. I think that uh, uh, the RSM, I've forgotten what the term is, or the Ogakpatakpata, they should look for that officer and really, really uh, maybe give him some orientation about, you know, treating human beings and people who have uh, given their work, you know, to uh, help to uh, nurse, you know, people. This is absolutely uncalled for and condemnable. I have uh, Professor Elias Lamley from the Center for Conflict Resolution and Peace Studies, University of Joss with me. Good evening, Prof, and thank you for coming. Good evening, viewer. Well, uh, Prof, you know, uh, academics can be buried in, you know, in their own bubble. And at times they don't, they don't focus on what society is going through. But, you know, their ideation and process, their ideologues, basically. I mean, how do you feel today that, you know, you woke up to a story of 35 people killed. Yesterday I called you, booking you for today. I said, are you aware that Andy has been attacked? And then you said, no, you know, you scream on the phone. Mm -hmm. Tell me how, how, I mean, all of these things, How? what are you thinking in your head? Well, today is the saddest moment of my academic life. I call it the saddest moment of my academic life because I have never seen such great act of impunity. A situation where there is no value for life at all. A situation where those who are supposed to protect life are the people that actually are destroying lives. A situation where an essential worker is molested. It's just, I mean, by all human standards, from all religious, ethnic perspectives, that does not happen. A nurse is a peacemaker. That's why they wear white uniforms. And anywhere in war, in war, whether it is in the any religious side, once a person has a white, it is a sign of what surrender. And then you see that. And then today again to wake up and discover that a group of people were showing their grievances towards the fact that their people are killed 
And then they are targeted again by the system. The system that, as you said, Locke says, that we gave them the power and they use the power to tear gas the people and not allow them to express their feelings. What do you want them to do? Cry how? Speak how? Tell what? Go where? Who do you want them to go and complain to? If you know you're not ready for a critical position, get out and go back to your father's house and sleep. I mean, you don't sit in a position where you're supposed to be responsible for people and then you carry power and you use it like Osberger would say. That most of the time is because people don't, are not conscious of the fact that they have a mortal body and their body can die. And so they think that they are ultimately, they become demigods. I remembered of what a psychologist said, that when people become rulers, they have their heads smashed into pieces. It is when they start coming out of power that their heads come back to them. He says, what's happening What is in this country? I, I, I just can't, I just seems not to understand. What is really going on? Whether the psychology of our people, whether, whether, whether there's any system at all in this, in the, apart from that, I mean, how do I, I can't, there's no theory that can define what's happening in, in, in Blasio State today. No theory. I mean, I miss curfew. People just went on a rampage, killed over 35 people, ran away, burnt a bridge, and they flee. It took, well, although, according to reports, security agencies responded, but because of that broken, you know, uh, breach, I mean, talk to us how to grapple with these issues. One family, 16 people died. One is only one person that is surviving right now. And we have a government. <laughs> Interestingly, all of us, I happen to have done quite a lot on security. There's no how an happening can occur within a place without the security network having some glimpse of what's happening. There's no how. There must be compromises somewhere. For example, the issue in the Defense Academy yeah, shows the fact that there's a compromise. And the same thing also with the attack in Josh. There must be compromises because the security agencies must have known that there might be some things like that and there should have been a quick thought to respond. It might not be that they will specifically know where it's going to take place. In fact, they will even know. I happen to have been watching something by Professor Kunle who said clearly that the amount of issues happening in this country now, the people who are perpetrating it are quite well known. That the system is not ready at all to bring them down. And because the system is not ready to bring them down, what else do we expect? It becomes a situation where there's impunity. Anybody does what he wants because he knows that no one can bring him down. There are the people that in this country today that we call them the impregnable, the untouchable. Why would someone be untouchable to the law? The law is supposed to be for everybody. Everybody by nature is supposed to be submitted under the custom of the law. If there's none, then why can't we all be lawless? No one has a right to violence. Everybody can be violent. Everybody can rise up and fight against injustice. And like I always say, there can be no peace without justice. That's a reality of life. Once there's injustice, there will definitely be pieces. And when people feel that they have a right to violence, then that's the mistake that they are making. And it could also backfire and boomerang on them. What does attack on NDA portend, you know, for our country? And uh, yesterday I had over 200 comments and some people are saying that Afghanistan, you know, how the Taliban took over Afghanistan, that it's looming, you know, in our country. Should we entertain this fear or should we dispel it? I'm telling you, it should be beyond that. The attack on NDA was a statement. The statement, the bandits, so-called, I sometimes accuse the, the media, terrorists, not bandits. 
so-called as saying is that, hey, you are not impregnable. Military, we can come to the highest level of our academic in terms of the military software where there should be the high level of intelligence and deal with you. So please, don't think you can deal with us. It's a statement that was made straight to the military. Know it. We are beyond your capacity to control. We are controlling you. We are the ones that detect, detect, show whatever it is. Hey, to me, all this issue of saying they should persecute those who are on CCTV and whatever, I mean, to me, that's not where the problem is. The problem is that the whole security network of the country is completely polarized. Take an example. Polarized by, I mean, it's, it's, it's a <laughs> polarized by who? And how can taxpayers keep giving military? Look at, you know, the money that uh, Buhari gave, you know, the military, for example. One billion US dollars without approval from the Nigerian people through the National Assembly. We keep giving money. It's like every time, you know, uh, the money just go down the uh, drain. It's like there's a conduit pipe. The question is very simple. The way you can get to know the question is very simple. Why do we have unequal treatment within the military camp? And I'll give you one example. Today, on Friday, go to any military containment and you find out that it is open to anybody from everywhere to go into the place and do his prayers, the Jumat prayer. The same thing does not happen on Sunday. When people are allowed to come from left, right, and center to enter the military, whether it's from defense headquarters down to the smallest military operation, you find out that I call on you journalists to go and look yourselves. Everybody can walk in there. How will you not have a compromise on the military installation and the intelligence of the people of the military if everybody can walk into any military installation on Friday and do whatever I want to do? And then you will go free. And then it is in the name of prayers. Hey, the military is not a Muslim military. The military is not a Christian military. It is not an atheist military. It is the military of Nigeria, which is supposed to be what? Nigeria is a secular state. Why would it be that on Friday you allow people to walk into the military installations and do as they want in the name of prayers? Must they pray before the military can go? You see, you see this is, the issue of religion is one of the problems that we have in this country. It is what is driving the contemporary conflict that we have today. The main issue driving our conflict is religion and any grievances. I'll give you an example. You take somebody who is a Muslim from the South-South and you touch him. You discover that the South-South will forget about the Islamic side. They will go into the ethnic side. You touch somebody from the North and you touch him. They may forget about the, the side of, of, of Christianity and go to the fact that they have houses for this. So you see, these are some of the things that we're saying. That it is a clear-cut indication that what happened in the Nigerian Defense Academy was a statement. And the statement was made clearly to everybody that nobody is beyond touch by the bandits. So now, uh, if there are any recommendation, you, because you speak as if, you know, uh, the authorities are in full knowledge of what is going on. I have the same impression. But because why are they, why are they not? They acting? will have a full knowledge. It, do you know the, what, the amount of, I wish, hey, I happen to have read so much about military intelligence, but on the net. And let me tell you, I did a lot of work looking at both the local, the national, the international networks of military intelligence. They know it is, you can't even do it very well if the military doesn't want to, want to know and they will not know. They have a capacity. They have so many things within their context that can give them power right to know exactly what's happening within this context. Uh, but then, the question is that the military has its own restriction. 
because the military cannot take any action without the permission of the of the pata pata. The CNC. The CNC has to give the permission. So everything goes back to the doorstep of, of Buhari. And, and, and some of us are so disappointed. I know I campaigned for that man with my own resources. As an academia, I had a strong belief that that man was going to repair the, the system. Today, he is the one who has the final say. So whatever the military comes with, whether it's the intelligence, whether it's whatever they bring, they can't even take an action until the scenes he gives a, a, a full go-ahead. For example, a lot of people are blaming the, 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 the defense issue in Joss, that they, 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 the NDA is closed to the communities, and it's, I mean that they, 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 Joe, uh, they, the third armor, third, third armor is closed to the communities, and they're supposed not to be attacked anyhow. Let me tell you, nobody in the third armor can take a full step until the CNC gives a right. There is a check, there are balances, there are areas of command, there are so many things that go on within that context that it cannot take. So everything goes back to one person. But if me. yeah, if the CNC cannot give orders, you know, expressly when people are dying, and you have a third armored division there, why cannot Buhari democratize security architecture in our country? So that, that he- is the whole issue. We are not democratizing anything. Look at the power structure; it's completely put in one person. He has the full control of the economy. So we're not democratizing. It's supposed to be. That's why in America they have that democratic system. Every area has its own power and its capacity to to action. For example, in the definition of war, there's an amount of people that every command can deal with. So you see, but Nigeria, no, it has to go back to the Ogapatapata. He has to give the command before anybody can act to go out and do anything. So you see, before it reaches that place, tell me, what are the networks? What are the bottlenecks? How can things be done like that? So we need to walk up and do something. And the political cycle have a right to do something about this. Democratize the issue of the structure within the military. Destroy the contemporary structure where people are not allowed to act under the scenes he gives uh, uh, the, the, the directive. Then you discover that those local soldiers at the local level whom you are seeing now actually will act when they have the power and the capacity to act. And let me tell you, Nigerian military and the training is one of the problems that we have. Do you know that I took my time to, to look at the Nigerian military and the training? They are trained Nigerians as if the one is done in Somalia and Afghanistan. Go back and see it. There's no reform in the training. The training is as archaic and as old as anything else. There's no changes. The military is being trained in a way that, they, as if these are zombies, zombie fight. As if they have no right to, the, to, to think. I, I mean, somebody, a, a soldier gave me an example that they were talking about issue of uh, Chelsea versus Manchester United. Mm. And because he talked against an officer in, 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 uh, supporting his own club, he was put in, 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 in detention. Come because of that. And Ponsak, like you said, I feel wounded because my father died for this country. The Onisha Bridge bombing, my father was on that bridge. He did not survive it. Like you said, not even a cobble was given to me, not a cobble was given to me. I had to start life all over again and grew up. And then for people now who do not know the pain we actually gave, and the middle belters are the people that fought to make sure that this country remained one, whereas other people were sleeping in their beds. Today, they are now thinking that they have a right to deal with the middle belters the way they want to do. I am telling you, I don't believe that that is the truth. Let's come to Plato. Uh, I mean, the killings, you know, just yesterday, 35 people. I don't know what question, you know, to ask because really the images I see is really playing in my head and I don't know how uh, tonight is going to end for me, you know, but what's your thought? What's your thought that even the governor, the speculation is that he's not in town. Yesterday he met with Mr. President. 
after which there was an interview and he blamed students of University of Joy saying that there was a Interesting. Why didn't you go? Why did you go out? I mean, that's what he said. Interesting. And University of Joy through the SUG as in fact, this morning, the SUG president called me at Ankala and he said, they are yet to account for 15 students of the University of Jos, and they are afraid that I don't, I don't want to uh, put anything in anybody's mind, but uh, I'm yet to call him to uh, continue that conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Talk to us, you know, about this, mm-hmm. that the governor had an opportunity. I recall Baba Jang, you know, I, I, one of his eight, very close eight, you know, he told me that there was one time that uh, he went to see uh, former president Gulag Jonathan and uh, the protocol said, no, uh, is the vice president. I said, I, I don't want to see the vice president. I want to see the uh, CNC. I, that aid was holding a file, and Baba Jang just yanked the file off, you know, uh, the guy's, you know, uh, shoulders, and he said, "Come, let's go," you know, let's go. And he met the scene and said, "Look, if you don't do anything about this crisis, you know," he gave him conditions, you know. But he has a governor meeting with, you know, Mr. Preston, the CNC. And but you know, Plato people are saying that most pl- people are saying you didn't represent the true picture of what is going on. Yeah. So, could it be politics or is it, you know, will will I be right if I say that perhaps leadership have lost touch with uh, the basic human side of seeing dead bodies and are you not being emotional but you are thinking of your ambition, you know, as a person? That is it. You've nailed it on the head. The ambition actually is ruling the personality. So, what is interesting here is that I want to get my ambition through. It's totalitarian. The end justifies the means. As long as I get the end, it doesn't matter whoever I snatch on. It doesn't matter who many people died. It doesn't matter whether it's the people. Actually, the people that came and did that terror was to send a message also. That, hey, this is what we're going to do. In 2001, when the first attack uh, or so in Jaws took mm-hmm. place, I, was, I, I witnessed it. Because at that time, I went out to some of the security and I saw how people were butchered. The same manner in which that thing was, uh, the, the butchering took place, where kids were brought out from their mother's womb and slaughtered, and the woman torn and their womb torn. It is the same manner in which I saw, in, 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 I am seeing in, 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 the, in the attack yesterday. The attack is to send a message that this is what we are going to do to anybody that tries to resist us. And it is to send a sentence, a statement to them. Look, go to the social media and you find out that traits upon traits upon traits upon traits have been sent to Plato State and to Just, for example. A lot of the leaders have sent threats and said, look, this is what we are going to revenge until you pay for the people. All these things are all over the place. So they are saying, we are trying to tell that we are going to actualize what we told you. If you don't take a move. So it was a statement sent out to people and residents of Jos. And in fact, it's not even the residents, it's the political class. Interestingly, the governor himself is what they are sending that to him. It's not just to the people. Because by doing that, the governor should know that we can do worse than this. And, 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 and one should expect that the governor should take a very strong stand and come up to face the issues. But what he's doing is doing what? He's taking the side of the ostrich, dipping his head in the ground and saying, I did not see. How would you say you don't see? You don't see the fact that people are dying? You don't see the fact that people that voted you, do you think you are impregnable? Do you think you are going to remain there forever? No! 
There's a time it will come that you will come, you will come out and become like any other person else. I, I just saw one of the ministers just two, three days ago wrote a comment, and not even with a single person make a comment that I remembered what uh, uh, this, this American uh, uh, actor said. He said he was one time a president, a, a governor of a state, and that's that. I know Schwarzenegger. Hotel, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The hotel actually built a status on his this thing, his name. And he went back there after he left the government. Nobody even noticed that he was there. That's the same thing I want you to understand. The fact that today you have power, your head is swelling up. Tomorrow it will not be you. Someone else will come there. And after that person, another person else will come. So when the, 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 the power is supposed to be an instrument for reconciliation. I, I said, somebody who believes in the Bible, the Bible says when you have money, it's the same thing with power. When you have power, use it as an instrument to reconcile and bring others close to you so that you make friends. That's why sometimes I have this sympathy for the Northern Oligarchy. Because they have power, they use it to make friends. But in our own system here in the Middle Belt, people have powers and they use it to create enemies. So compare and contrast uh, the leadership style of Governor Samuel Otom. Uh, who just two days ago, you know, spoke that the presidency lied. And, you know, he said that uh, wh what is the interest of the president in giving, you know, people and the leadership style of, you know, Governor Simon Bakulalong. I'm sorry to say that the two cannot be compared. Let me tell you one thing. Protest is a way by which you can give out people to understand what you are going through. Autumn, in spite of his deficiency, has one strength. The capacity to, to speak and let the people know that this is what his people are going through gives him a lot of strength. He's a strong man. He may not have money to give. He may not have anything to give, but he's standing for his people. You see, let me give you the, the, the power of protest. In America, the black Americans are a very small percentage of the population. But because they are able to speak, they carry a huge percentage of the population. They give an impression as if they are a large army that is resident there. The Hispanics are there. They're not they're in much, much larger quantity than, than, than black Americans. But you hardly hear anything about them. But because of the fact that the black Americans know the pack, the matter and the power of protest and everything that can be used to make sure that they are thought and known, they are able to make a move. Same thing also with the autumn. Autumn is able to use his power, his power to fight for his people. He stands as a, 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 a leader. For Lalong, I'm not sorry to say that he's a weakling. All right. The phone lines are open. You can join the conversation if okay, you wish no to. I have uh, been having a chat with Professor Elias Lamley. Uh, he's with the uh, Center for Peace and Conflict Resolution here in uh, University of Jos. Um, 90 948 or you call 90 I beg your pardon for, you know, my shaky voice. I'm just trying my best, you know, to uh, see that I, I, I finish, you know, this program. So please, uh, please, I, I beg your pardon, you know, pardon me. Uh, please, if you call, you have just one minute to make your comment. Let's take the first call. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for calling. Yes. Uh, Mr. Pansak. Yeah. Thank you for calling, sir. Tell us your name and join the call. Tell us where you're calling from. I respect you and the, our guests in the house. This is Daddy Atom from Trade Center. Seriously, he has said almost everything. And you see, directly to the Mr. Governor, Mr. Simon Bakulalong, and the President, People are... Please, who is the father in the house? You are a father and things are happening. And you are... 
you are mute about all these things. But when when it is in another direction, then you begin to talk. This is your people. This is your children. So, as our guest in the studio has been talking, and because I want to control myself, please let the governor, let the father in the house do the needful. They know it. They know it. Not me talking this, uh, Mr. Ponsat. So what should I say? What can I say? Time will not allow me, as the scripture has said. What should I say? Mention about Barak, Daniel, and David, and the others. Time will not permit me, but thank you for this time. But the governor, they should listen and they should do the needful as they know they have the capacity to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for calling. Good evening, sir. The next time I'm calling from Magadama. Thank you for calling, sir. Well, um, can you hear from my voice? Um, I can't even talk any longer. Things like uh, on a very long time I've contributed a lot of programs like this, and I feel the government they know what to do, but they just don't want to do it. They know what to do, but they just don't want to do it. I've talked about this issue of Operation Rainbow. If the Nigerian Army, if the Nigerian Army barrack is being uh, somebody going to that barrack to go and adopt a major and take take the major and go away. Then you show that even our soldiers might not even be, they might not even the solution. Can we try the local people? Can we try people in the community? I have asked Governor Lalom. I am hundred percent sure that some of the states are listening to me. Here, you have continuously listened to some of us. What will it take? I said, go on to all the local government. Get at least hundred of these boys. Some of them are willing not even to collect a penny, but they just want to defend their land. What will it cost the governor to just do that? I don't even get to understand. Today, now, look at, look at, you've closed because of few individuals you have decided. Is the coffee a solution? You kept on saying coffee, coffee, is it a solution? The university of John student that you are blaming that they left. What about the other ones? The people that were massacred by one AM the night, this night. Was it not that in the, in the same coffee? What are we, what, what, why is it that some, sometimes some people refuse, some politicians refuse to listen to people when they talk? Is that it? when you are in power, you feel you are the upper and omega, you will live there very soon. What legacy are you living? It's so sad. I keep on saying this, and I don't even know what is holding, whether you like it or not. This coffee is not a solution. The governor should put that in his mind. I was discussing with my neighbor, he's a Muslim and an awesome man. Even today, I told him whether you like it or not. Very soon now, the governor will declare COVID. He all joked about it. And here we are. A few individuals disrupting the peace. And I want to end with this. The governor and his people went to Rukuba Road. They made an arrest. The, the local government chairman of Just Not went in, in a police station. I so much respected respect that man what he did. He closed down that police station. I am not using this opportunity to tell that same governor to go to that particular environment where people are killed in Yelua. 
and make sure it equates or do a relevant, uh, it's nothing to what we did in Rukubano by arresting people. That is the only solution. If people are still in the community, you go to that place, you arrest the community leaders, let them provide the those who have committed this crime. I am waiting to hear from the governor. I am waiting. They went straight to the president to go and tell the president about what happened in Rukubano. We are all waiting. We are all watching. Thank you. Thank you, Mekam. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello, Pastor. Good evening, sir. Thank you for calling. Tell us your name and join the conversation, sir. Yes, my name is Austin and I'm calling from... Go ahead, Austin. I would like to borrow the words of T.Y. Denjima. You can only sit down and watch a group of mad people come around to see you. If you don't do anything about it, you all stand here and die. In my own opinion, not GFM. Don't stand there and die, people of Plato State. Better stand up. And defend yourself. Thank you. Well, that wasn't working. We lost connection there. Thank you for calling. Call us back when you get a chance. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello, good evening. This is Tony from Refuge. Well, listening, Tony. Yeah, please, um, I just want to appeal to all Plato citizens that we should maintain peace. We understand the pain that everyone is going through right now. In fact, um, we are all together in this. But we want to appeal to all of us. Let's maintain peace and see how we can be able to resolve this killing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Peace we want. Justice is eminent. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Tell us your name, please. Hello? Well, listening, sir. Thank you. Hello, good evening. Good evening, Mr. Ponsard. Thank you for calling. Tell us your name and join the conversation. Okay, thank you. I'm Bill from Refuge. Bill, thank you. Go ahead, sir. Yes. Uh, it's so disheartening and unfortunate that we are back into the same cycles that we were several years ago. You know, the bad light that Plaza uh, have been thrown into. And most uh, unfortunately, is the fact that we now have a governor who seems not to be on the side of his people. The governor of Plateau State has failed the people of Plateau State. And sometimes I wonder if we have a state house of assembly. For how long will the governor keep failing his people and failing in his duties and responsibilities before the members of the state house of assembly will do the needful? We all know that the essence of government is the security of the lives and properties of its citizens. And any governor who fails or a president that fails in this has lost the essence of their office. They don't deserve, deserve to be there again. And I expect that they will take an action drastically so that we'll have someone that at least will stand for the state. Look at what the governor of uh, Benin State is doing. Standing 
side by side with people and defending their cause. Yet we have a governor here always running the presidency, but with nothing to show for in the state. We are so disappointed in the governor, and I we expect the members of the House Assembly to do the needful. Because we are tired of these killings. We are tired of the vicious cycle of violence in the state. Listening to the a retired commodore on channel television this morning, you will, you will see that there is there's a grand conspiracy against uh, you know this section of the country and a, a, a certain people, and some people are carrying out an agenda which uh, we don't know to what end uh, that will take them. But we expect that everyone will stand up, let us rise and defend ourselves and defend our state and our nation, and the antics of the evil men and women in this land shall not prevail against us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, let me take some comment on uh, Facebook. Sokia's tongue is saying, the issue of Plato State is like children without parents. So please don't go to sleep with your two eyes closed. Stand up and protect yourself. Monica Fon is saying, actually, curfew is not the solution for this attack because if it is, uh, where do the attackers follow during the curfew? And are the security also when those people attack places? Or are we locked up in our rooms to be attacked again? No, please, Lalong, provide another solution. Please, we are dying of hunger and facing attacks every day. We're tired, uh, you say, Mr. Lalong. Uh, blessing Van Kat Daniel saying the Air Force officer needs to go and apologize to that nurse. Uh, okay, because of the, the behavior of those people. Today is a sad day for me. Okay. Uh, Joshua Obogo is saying the curfew is not helping the situation. The governor is playing to the script of the authority above. Ayadoli Agbabiaka is saying, instead of curfew, why not put security agents in strategic areas? So sad. We need justice and peace. Zingfa Dengfa Power is saying, curfew is not the solution. The solution now is that the government of Plato State have failures. As a citizen of Plato, we seek for the impeachment of the state government. We need to put it to them that we are tired of mass burial. Enough is enough. Emmanuel Dingjui is saying, curfew can't help because the attack on Yelwa community today was done during the curfew hours. Uh, Gideon Chung is saying, I guess I should be asking the guests, what are the practical solutions uh, to this killing instead of condemning it on social media because you will never hear any of them calling to make their submission? Enough. Okay, I'm not going to say the word you use. Kim Samuel is saying, this is not the matter of curfew, but the matter of doing the right thing. In all the curfew I saw, I used the main road during the curfew and you find no serious uh, security stopping you for clearance or any check-in. So what's the need for the curfew? If security is not going to be put in place, then I don't see the need for the curfew. Nafisad Abdul Hamid is saying that attacking a is deeply painful and most unfortunate. The government must not allow the culprits go unpunished. Frank Price is saying curfew has never worked in averting the killings on the plateau. It gives the perpetrators opportunity to plan and attack innocent citizens. The state government has failed and should apologize to Nigerians and resign. Enough of the killings in Jos. Um... Ashili Yerima Eran is saying the type of just curfew is just a plot by the government to deceive the general public that they are proactive, whereas they are reactive. Okay, you say. Um, Enejo Daniel John is saying in curfew time, people are being killed. Then we decide to reinstate the curfew. Do we uh, want to kill more? God, today was mentally exhausting. Not only you, some. Lois uh, Musa Gomi is saying no, over 35% killed during curfew yesterday. Clearly, curfew is not working. The government should try something else, please. Uh, Suleiman Uwaisu Idris is saying, violence isn't a religion. So whether you're a Christian or Muslim and you're in support of this barbaric act of killing, just know 
where you belong to because the aforementioned religion teaches peace and conflict resolution um the same person okay i'm not going to take this is long i beg you uh, sorry my friend uh dusu david t daddy's uh taddy saying whether we like it or not this government has no plans to safeguard life and properties of plateau people moses daniel saying how comes due to curfew but killing still ongoing where are the security agents the government is not ready to protect our lives plateau shul uh their feed okay um that isn't clear Blessing Ambrose is saying to me, this coffee will not stop the silent killings. Please, I'm begging for the government to walk on this. Plato is shedding blood. Haba. Hi, good evening. Thank you for calling. Uh, good evening. Tell us your name and join the conversation, sir. We're listening. Yeah, today is quite a sad day, right from yesterday. Uh, it's as if Nigeria was murdered from yesterday to today. Uh, it gives us tears in our own land. You know, what makes a child sleep peacefully is the fact that he knows that there is a father in the house. A child sleeps without fear because he knows the father will always answer. But when children are asleep and they are not sure where the father is, perhaps the father has gone out to even discuss with those that will invade the children. That is a scenario that is playing out on the plateau. May God bless plateau. God bless you. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Tell us your name and join the conversation. Thank you very much, Pazak. Uh, I'm Comrade Dadong Antiba Solomon. I'm well, calling from Anguan, Cuba. We're listening, sir. Thank you, Pazak. Uh, the candy truth is that uh, we don't have a leader on the plateau. Really, we don't have a governor. We don't have a governor. And as far as I'm concerned, Kofi is not never the solution to this problem. Kofi. Many people were killed, were killed in the period of the Kofi. The first Kofi was imposed, the first Kofi that was imposed, people were killed in Baza, Uruguay. And it was in the same Kofi period, people are still killed. And the governor is busy, busy enjoying himself with the president in Abuja. Is this our governor? If I may ask. Our governor is along our governor, and I'm appealing to this. The person said, I was out of assembly, most especially the police officers, speakers, to stand and the two house members should stand to impeach this governor. If not, we will not see the green light of the day. This man is not meaning it well for us. And if the speaker cannot stand, the impeachment of the governor, the house members should see, even if the speaker, this is not our leader, alone, he's not our governor. I am calling for the impeachment of the governor. If the speaker will not sign, let me impeach him too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thank you. Prof, you've heard it. Uh... It's quite a you know, when you listen to people sometimes. There's one so, some young man that actually said, violence is not religion. I like that. That comment was quite beautiful. Absolutely. You know, because from my studies as a conflict manager, I discovered that people that actually perpetuate crimes in the name of religion are very minute in number. Yeah. For example, the so-called Boko Haram Sage, the so-called bandits, these are people that are known and they can be arrested. And once they're arrested, that's the end of it. I mean, take an example of what happened in Nigeria Delta. When Ayala Dua wanted to deal with the Niger Delta, they, all they need to do was to arrest the people who were the sponsors. And once they arrested the sponsors of the, the old issue, the, the Niger Delta was kept to me in a manageable level. As long as we're not arranging, we're not arraigning and we're not arresting the, those who sponsor Boko Haram, those who are sponsoring bandits, those who are sponsoring all the hatsmen. 
they are well known to the system because why? The state cannot tell me that they don't know these people. They do. And in fact, there was a time even Dubai helped Nigeria in getting the names of sponsors of Boko Haram. But why were they not prosecuted? prosecuted? The office of the AGF. I mean, it's, it's, it tells you that it, people are allowed to do what they want to do. So every, the state knows the solution very well. Nigeria can deal with this issue. It's very simple. Once the sponsors of Boko Haram, bandits, and hatmen are held, that is the end of this conflict. But because some of us believe that there's a, an agenda greater than those people, then they, they, they're doing this thing just to, to, to promote the agenda. Yeah. So it is not Islam that is a problem. No. Neither is it Christianity that is a problem. But it is the people within the religion who have taken extreme views. Like you may be surprised that Boko Haram as a, 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 a organization is 0.05% of Islam, of Muslims in Nigeria. The same thing also you see bandits. So you see, it is not the religion. It is the people, the practice of the people. And it is usually a very small minute. And of course, they try to, they, with that now, they put the heads of others in trouble. There are so many people who are Muslims who are crying every day because of what's happening in Plateau. Well, so, uh, <laughs> on this note, talk to us about young people, Christian and Muslims, that are tired of this and they just want peace. i give you an example. Today, my friend, you know, saw me. I was wanting to go for an assignment, you know, together with Akbayami. Ok- ok- and he realized me, he just stopped, you know, he gave us a ride. And then when we're approaching, uh, I just told him that, no, drop us here and find a safe route, you know, that you can just, I don't want you to, uh, because I don't know what's, you know, in front. At least I can say I'm a journalist, but for you, you know. And so he just, and he has been complaining bitterly, Mr. Yusuf, you know, that's his name, Yusuf, very nice guy. Talk to us about what can peace-loving Muslim youths and peace-loving Christian youths do to unite and send a strong message to government. The best way under the system, the government listens to only two things. They follow tradition or they follow protests. If they cannot follow tradition, then protest takes a very important role. There's a need for the unity of the Christian and the Muslim youth. And I tell you, I have seen them. I have had seminars with many Christian youth and many Muslim youth. I remember there was a seminar we were holding with some Muslim youth. And the Muslim youth were crying because they said, this is not our religion. Our religion is a religion of what? Peace. Because they feel it. So it's wrong to think that Muslims are bad. No, they're not. There are some, a few. So the same thing also with Christian youths. Christian youths need to be told and they need to come together with the Muslim youths and say, look, we are going to do something. I'll give you an example of what happened in Joss. In Joss currently, they said, the Muslim youths have decided to say we're going to protect churches when they strike. That's a good move. It's a plus move. Why? Because whenever they are protecting churches, they are sending a message. Look at what happens in Dadenkwa. Dadenkwa youth actually come and work together. They are Christians, they are Muslims. And interestingly, I studied one, the issue of Dadenkwa, and I went and studied the same issue in Indonesia. In, in Indonesia, And I discovered it's the same thing. Once there's a synergy between the youths, no one else, because they are the foot soldiers. The synergy of the, 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 the people in, in, in Indonesia, and, uh, and then the synergy of the people in Dadenkwa, I studied the two. And I went to Indonesia and I looked at how they were working together as a community. These are Christian Muslims that came together in both two communities. And then they were able to protect the needs of their people. So the example of Dadenkwa, the example of Indonesia can be replicated anywhere else in Nigeria. Thank and you. that is where the youth actually play a vital role in bringing peace to this country. Thank you very much, Professor Elias Lamley. wish we can go on and on, but, well, we, um, time is up. 
Well, dear listener, this is the much you can take. Don't forget, you have your own personal responsibility to peace building. If you see something, say something. We are supporting our security agencies in the ongoing fight against our killers. And we hope and pray, especially the GOC. We pray that, you know, our God will give you wisdom, courage, and strength to fight. And we're here to support you against your detractors, you know, Mr. GOC. We just want justice. We just want peace. And we want tranquility. We want people to go about doing their business, making legitimate money, and building our country. My name is Ponsak Fanab. Do have a very good evening. The news will come your way above the hour, 6 o'clock. Bye now. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.